Hey, this is Andy Jenkins with the brand new Warrior Hope podcast. Here's what we try to do every single week is we bring you one of three things. Either we bring you some content from the Warrior Hope material where we help veterans find healing from the past and deploy to the next mission, whatever that mission may be, which is most often a life mission, something great to accomplish now. So we bring you something from that. Some of the great concepts we learned about PTSD, moral injury, some of the other topics about TBI, some of the other topics that are there about just just planning and moving ahead and goal setting and living out the greatness and the skill sets and the training that's already deep, deep, deep inside of you. Uh, One third of the time, we actually bring you service providers. Uh, people that uniquely serve veterans, people who've served our country in profound ways uh, that we think that you need to know about. A lot of times there's so many incredible people out there doing amazing work, but we've just never heard of them. And so as we hear about them, we bring them to the table and we talk with them and find out about what they do and how you can access their goods and services to best serve you or Perhaps you know someone, you might not need what they have, but perhaps you can relay that on to someone else. And then about a third of the time, we actually just bring you the story of someone incredible. Some of the people that are out there that have served in the military are the bravest, the most sincere, the strongest, most fierce, and at the same time, the most tender, gentle, loving, kind people that you'll ever meet. And so over the last year, year and a half, as we've been doing some projects, it's been my honor to get to really just lock arms with many of them, to hear their stories, to learn from them, to walk with them. And so we're starting to bring some of them to you. Here's what you can do. Uh, Crosswinds is a 501c3. It's a nonprofit. If you want to support your military, go to warriorhope.com and then just find all of the links there where you can support Crosswinds, where you can download absolutely free uh, the PTSD self-check. This is true whether you're military or not, whether you can stream uh, the documentaries that we put forth absolutely free or where you can find where there's a center of hope coming near you. Uh, The great thing is we've just finished the training with people from uh, everywhere from New York to Florida to Mississippi, uh, Ohio, uh, some even from Georgia. We're based out of Birmingham, and so lots of incredible things happening out there. All right. Well, without further kind of rambling, let me take you into a great conversation that I just had in my living room with a guy that I've gotten to know over the last six, eight months, Eric Ford. We'll talk about all who he is right here as we roll right into the conversation. Hey, I'm here with Eric Ford. I'm actually in my living room. If you've seen the pictures on Instagram or you've seen them just kind of floating around on social media, he's sitting in the leather couches next to the rock fireplace. Everybody wants to know, are you going to paint that rock? No, I'm not painting the rock. And here's why. Number one, I didn't want to paint the rock. But number two, when I'm renovating the house here, this lady comes and knocks on the door one Sunday afternoon and she says, hey, I used to live here. In fact, we built the house. Oh, wow. So lady's like 60 ish her husband had passed away in the last year her daughter that was about 40 was here daughter was born in the house they wanted to walk through and she told me like that rock they carried it all the way up the hill from the cahaba river and put which i guess there's no building code back then you could just do what you wanted to um but we're not here to talk about that we're here to talk about your story so tell everybody so they know like what give give me the dog tag information from the marine corps yeah so um as andy said i'm eric ford I am uh, a Marine Corps veteran. I served with 4th Battalion, 14th Marines out of 
Bessemer, Alabama. I was in both headquarters and Lima Battery. Uh, for those that, that know the unit, I uh, was there from 1987 until 1993. So Desert Storm Era vet. Uh, we were activated, didn't go overseas. We got as far as uh, lovely 29 Palms, California, and uh, made a stop there for several months, called a ceasefire quickly. Uh, we stayed until active troops came home, and then uh, we rolled back into uh, into Birmingham, from California. So, so you, did you go there right after high school? Is that I went in the Marine Corps straight after out of high school. Well, I say straight out. Um, I graduated in May, and I, I went to boot camp January first, nineteen eighty seven. So, Happy New Year! Yeah, I uh, kind of wondered what decision I'd made when I'm standing on the yellow footprints on January one. Right. But um, yeah, so about six months after I gradu- graduated from high school, I went into uh, went into the Marine Corps. Okay. So the, the whole point of what we do on this podcast is about a third of the time we actually open up some of the material from the Warrior Hope Manual from Centers of Hope. You've been to that. Yeah. About a third of the time we we actually interview and talk to a service provider that has some unique thing that they do for veterans, whether it's housing or it's they do financial stuff, marriage counseling, they do whatever. Um, and then about a third of the time we just actually talk with some veterans and say, hey, tell us your story. The, the reason for that is there's such power in the story and people... Sometimes they see in other people, we see in other people something that helps us see that number one, we're not alone. Other people may be dealing with different details, but same overarching themes, same kind of junk, right? Nothing new under the sun, right. to quote Solomon. Um, and, you know, you know, I come from a faith-based perspective. There, there's this verse in the back of the Bible, Revelation 12, 11, that says they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their story. Like there's something healing about telling your story. There's something healing for other people when they see it in you that they realize they can achieve it too. Like that some kind of healing, wholeness, redemption can be theirs. You fall in the second and third category because you're a guy that's been deployed, a veteran, and you're providing a unique service. Right. So... Tell me the story about deployment, why you would do that, and let's just start there, but I, but I want to make sure we get like both aspects of this. Sure, sure. Um, so we'll start back, if, if I could, Andy, a little bit sooner. So um, I was born without a dad. Um, people are going to wonder how. Uh, so my father, I was born in 68. My father was killed a month and a day before I was born. He was oh, wow. a naval aviator off the, uh, the USS America. Uh, went in for a routine bombing mission and unfortunately didn't make it home. Uh, his Rio uh, did eject. He made it out safely, although he sustained a lot of injuries, um, most of which pretty much ended his flight career in the military. Uh, he went on as a test pilot in the civilian sector. Um, but I was born um, a month and a day after my father was killed. So being an only child and going into the Marine Corps, you can imagine that did not go over well with my mom. Uh, but I come from a military family. Many people in my, my family have served. So it was kind of a destiny, if you will, for me. My mom knew I was going to do it, whether she went kicking and screaming or I did. Um, But it's something that I just felt a sense of pride and duty to do, even though being an only child, I knew I would never have to. Um, So when I went in, um, you know, it was, there was a lot of reasons that I think I did it. Um, One, I needed to grow up. I knew that. Um, It's kind of a spoiled brat at times. Uh, I played the... My dad got killed card to my advantage, uh, yeah. right, wrong, or indifferent. And, um, but at the end of the day, it was the right decision. It was a good decision. Um, it helped me grow up. It, it made me really learn to rely on 
myself, if you will, but for those that have served in the military, know you never really rely on yourself. Um, but I didn't have mom or dad to help me. I had to learn to build relationships and bonds and trust uh, with people from all different walks of life. And, um, you know, I think that's a, that's a neat and unique part of the military is we all come from different backgrounds, different life experiences, different challenges, different good. And, uh, and we're all forced into a, a melting pot of, of servitude uh, as, a, as a veteran or within the military. Um, but I was a reservist. I was a weekend warrior. Um, so I went to uh, uh, Paris Island, got all that out of the way. Went to, That's the uh, boot camp. Boot camp, yeah. So it's Marine Corps, there's two. You go to Paris Island if you're um, east of the Mississippi, and you're a Hollywood Marine in San Diego if you go west of the Mississippi. Um, so there's only two training, uh, recruit training centers for uh, the Marine Corps, San Diego and, and Paris Island. Uh, I went to Paris Island. Uh, when I wrapped up there, I went up to Jacksonville, North Carolina. I was a unit diary clerk, admin guy uh, with the Marine Corps. And um, then I came back to, uh, to Birmingham and I spent the rest of my time there with 4th Battalion, 14th Marines uh, as a field artillery unit. And uh, during that time, um, you know, you do your two weekends, uh, weekend, uh, two weeks a year and, and one weekend a month. Um, right up until Desert Storm hit. And we got activated and mobilized to Camp Pendleton uh, during Desert Storm. Got a lot of our initial preparation for overseas uh, out of the way. So were you ever thinking you were gonna be activated or are you thinking- So that's kind of the reason I was leading gonna... into a little bit of this, because I know you and I talked some uh, some of the, the events that we were at together. Yeah. Um, I'm a college kid, right? I'm sitting in art appreciation uh, in a Jan term class at Sanford University. And, you know, next thing I know, I get a call from my first sergeant that says, hey, this is a real deal, we're going. Um, we'd had a couple of practice drills, but this was the real deal. So immediately your mindset changes, right? It's, it's you go from, it's not gonna happen. Cause to, you were like, you would have been going to school. Like I, I, I went to Sanford, I already, so I know Jan term is yeah. like that mini term. Well, well, three week mini term. Before spring, so yep. you're thinking, you're already registered for spring Man, classes. I was enrolled, registered, yeah, ready to go. Like your I'm just I'm set. knocking out a, yeah. uh, a a quick class that's that's part of a requirement, and um, so you know, I've got five or six days to get my stuff ready to to get out. Luckily, I'd done a little preparation just in case, um, but back then there was no internet, so you drove to the bank, you went to all these different places, and yeah, you pick up the telephone, pick and up call telephone people, call. you don't text yeah. even with the. Press the number three or four times. Yeah, exactly. To get the right letter. It was yeah. a, it was it was post rotary, so I was still wasn't using a rotary dial. I was, I was pushing, but you're right. You picked up the phone and called, and you said, "Hey, here's what's happening. What do I do?" Um, so you know, we, we deploy. We go to uh, to Camp Pendleton. We get some of our preliminary stuff out of the way um, because we were field artillery. From there, we went up to uh, Twenty Nine Palms, California, um, which is literally one of the last training places anyone overseas will go because it's the closest thing in the United States that we have to uh, the same terrain and environment that you find in the Middle East. Um, so we go there, uh, get everything done, do all our test fire, all our trial and qualifications, and get our equipment ready to go overseas. They call a ceasefire. So I've gone from being a college student, art to, appreciation, sitting, from art appreciation, spring, sitting in the classroom, spring terms planned. Kick, yeah, kicking back with my fraternity brothers and friends and having a good time, goofing off to, holy cow, we're going to war, uh, because I had friends that had already deployed out that were overseas in the Air Force and as well as in the Marine Corps, 
Um, so I knew people that were already boots on the ground there. Um, it was real, and, and we thought we were going to go. Um, and, and I imagine then, it's very different. We, I remember when when we invaded. Uh, it, it was it was on a Wednesday night. I was at church, and they had this room called the Fireside Room that had you know I, I guess every church that had a gymnasium had it. Yeah. And we had a, a TV in there, and some of the guys you know walk into the the big gymnasium where they had set up all these uh, long six foot eight foot long table they're having, they're having wednesday night fellowship supper right that's what they call it in the baptist church some of the guys walk in there that are like you know 11th to 12th grade and they're like hey we're at war now and like they're all happy about it and it's you know and then we're going there watching where they're you know, they've got these cameras that show like where we're bombing and uh, you know we're, we're kind of exhilarated by it yeah i imagine it's very different though when you're the one that's about to have to go face that it it is it's a it's a catch twenty two you you know part of you is excited because you think wow this is what I've trained for. I trained for it I saw yeah you know the other side of you is scared as hell and you're not dra- you're not drafted in the U S no, you no this was by choice this is like you choose this, to, yeah. I chose to do this you know the other part of you is is you're scared you know yeah am I going to be able to get through this I've never really been shot at what what's going to happen you know you're, you're playing all these scenarios in your mind at the same time. While and we were sitting in the Warrior Club at Twenty Nine Palms, California, we're watching all of this happen, thinking we know guys that are there right now that that are doing that this. are that are on the ground. We you know maybe they're on TV, maybe they're not. Who knows? But we you know a lot of us that were there knew somebody that had already been shipped out and was overseas serving. Yeah. So you know you're playing through your mind and you're seeing things on TV and now all this stuff that you've been going through training that you took serious, maybe you goofed off a little, whatever. Now, it's reality. It's not a movie. Now yeah, it's, or a now it's the, clip. it's, yeah, Okay, life. whoa, we're going to go. So you could feel a temperament change. I mean, there was a little bit of that positive energy and excitement of this is what we've trained for. But there was kind of a dull silence of apprehension, like this is real. Very sobering. We're, we're going next. And so we continued over the next couple of days through the cycle of, uh, of preparing to go overseas. And we were about a week or so within the rotation to deploy out, and they called a ceasefire. It's 100-hour war. Um, they called a ceasefire, and so uh, we stood down. We knew we weren't going to have to go overseas, so we went and got all of our equipment back out of the motor pool that was prepared to ship out. And, uh, and we stayed in California for, I don't know, three or four more months um, until the active uh, element came back. And then once the, the active units that were stationed there uh, permanently came back, then we shipped back out and, and came back home uh, and you know flew into Birmingham and, and had a nice little parade and everything coming home in Bessemer. And um, went about our merry way after that. It was, you know, hey, thanks for serving. Have a good day. Um, and I think that's where a lot of challenges and struggles for me internally really reappeared yeah. and even some new ones appeared. Uh, yeah, speak to that. Because, well, you know, when, when, when Desert Storm hit as a country, you know, the last big war we'd been in was Vietnam. Call it what you want. It was a war. Yeah. Um, men and women were not welcomed home. Very few. Um, you know, they, most it were, was actually the opposite. They were not only not welcomed home, they were... They were spit at. Yeah, they were... Vilified. They were, exactly. Exactly. And these, these were men that were drafted. Men and women did not choose 
to go of their own free Forced, will. yeah. These were, uh, some did. Um, but for the most part, this was during a time of a draft. Um, so, you know, people were, were not pleased when they saw veterans coming home. Um, you know, we come home and we're met with, well, let me back up. So when, you know, when the war breaks out, we're in San Diego, we go out to eat, we get ready to pay our bill, it's been paid. Um, we go to a little nightclub or go somewhere and have a drink and the manager comes up. Well, as Marines, typically when a manager comes up, they're going to tell you, you know, don't fight, don't cuss, yeah, they're don't, don't get out that. of line. You know, you're a group of Marines, we know how you get. It was, thanks for your service, here's a private table. You know, so-and-so is going to be your waitress for the night. Drinks are on us. So the pendulum's still the other way. There's so such the honor and respect. Oh, absolutely. Um, and it, and it kind of gets to you a little bit. You're like, wow, yeah, this is this is pretty cool. Um, we, we fly back into Birmingham. And um, I remember sitting on the tarmac in Palm Springs, waiting on our plane to come in to fly, to load up to fly home. And it, it's kind of like you'd see in a movie. Everybody's leaned on a bag or a backpack or something. And, um, you know, we're just laying on, basically laying on the runway. And, uh, you know, a lot of us are joking, thinking, yeah, I wonder if this is like back in the day. You know, all these guys tell us about back in the day. Well, I wonder if it's like when they went home. And it started hitting a, a few of us. And we get into Birmingham. And because there were so many of us and because we had weapons, they didn't put us at a gate. We unloaded just off of a gate, but they did walk us through the airport. And I remember walking to the airport, people are cheering, clapping, thanking us, running up, hugging us. Uh, it was exciting. You know, mm-hmm. we get into buses and we've got a, a highway patrol police escort rolling blocks to keep cars from us as we're going from Birmingham back into Bessemer to the reserve center. I think we rolled out the red carpet. Literally. This was the red carpet. Uh, if I remember correctly, I believe uh, Mayor Langford, uh, Larry Langford was the mayor at the time. He was there. Yeah. I mean, this is a big deal, right? You know, we, we're, you're excited. You're caught up in the moment. And then a couple of days later, it kind of hits you. At least it did me. And I know a few of the guys I served with. Yeah, again. yours is you. But, you know, mine's kind of yeah. neat because... You know, as soon as I get home, all my friends want to see me, right? Well, while I've been gone, again, I didn't deploy. I don't try to liken my story to anyone that's ever been downrange because I don't know what that's like, and I never try to act like I do. Well, you guys did deploy. We but did, you, but we, we didn't, didn't go overseas. Deploy to your we didn't. Final we didn't go to. We didn't go to a, a, a Ford hostile area. Um, although we did run into a couple of army guys one night while we were out, so you could kind of. I'm just kidding, um, but. Um, but in all seriousness, you, you you go from being a college frat boy. I mean, that's what I was, college yeah. kid, frat guy. Good time. Still a reservist. Which fraternity? You know, I was a pike, okay. pike of alpha. Um, oh, those were for frat boys. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we were frat boys. Um, kind of a diverse group, an eclectic group of brothers. I've but, got uh, some funny stories we were, about some Well, we'll cut this off. We'll cut this off. a different time. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um but you know, you you go from being an art appreciation student to the mental mindset of I've got to take everything I've learned over these last couple of years and make sure not only I come home, but every, I don't do something stupid and everybody around me comes home too. You know, you wrote the Dear John letters, you do all that. So when I come home, um, and I had been talking to friends of mine back and forth, you know, on the payphone. 
um, while I was uh, while I was out and got letters and wrote back and forth. So there was correspondence, um, but their lives never changed. They still went to class. They still went to house parties. They still went to formals. They did all they that. They got all the t-shirts. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my, my life was still in the mindset of I'm in the military. I have a job to do and this is my job. So when I came home, everybody wanted to have a, a welcome home party. How long were you gone? I was gone from January until early May. Did so you finish about Jan five term? months? No, no. Okay, so, so, so pull you out of Jan term five months later. So everybody's finishing the semester now. Oh, everybody's finishing okay. Jan term. People that weren't at Jan term, and for those that don't know, um, Sanford at the time had a, just a mini semester, if you will. It was a little three week class, um, and and normally you could get elective courses out of the way uh, with that, and um, not everybody went. Maybe maybe a third. Of the, of the college enrollment was there. Um, so by the time most of the friends of mine that I had had, and this, you know, there was no Facebook, there was no Instagram. Yeah, so no, nobody knows where Nobody really knows you know what's cell going phone, on. You can't, yeah. You, so, you know. February, you don't show up for first day of yeah, spring semester. Yeah, everybody walks into the cafeteria, and Eric, who's usually sitting at the pike table, at, you know, very third loud. chair down, very yeah, loud. Not a very quiet. No. Yeah. Um, where's Eric? He not come back. No, he's he's deployed. You know, so they're getting news uh, firsthand. Um, but you know, friends of mine, fraternity brothers, you know, everybody that I knew, their life went on. It was it was college norm. Um, for me, it was a little bit different. Um, and and I would say even for me, I put more expectation on myself because I felt like in the back of my mind I had something to prove. My dad was killed. He didn't make it through the war. Well, I got to do it now. I got to step up and finish what he started. So there was a lot put on me. So when I came home and they wanted to have these, you know, kind of welcome home parties, I remember two or three of them. I'm just sitting in the, it's almost like you do see in the movie at this point, you know, the guy's in the corner and, and there's all this noise going around, but it's just white noise to him. He doesn't hear the conversations. He hears words. Kind of like you're there, but it you're doesn't there, really exist. You're yeah, an outsider. Absolutely. Even like and you're and I felt like an outsider. Attention. Yeah. I couldn't carry on a conversation with them because they're joking about house party. They're joking about what they did on spring break. And I'm sitting there thinking, I was slinging rounds downrange on spring break. That's what I was doing. Um or we were filing paperwork to try to come home, or we were trying to get this guy paid. You know, it was, it was, it was adult decisions almost that, that we were doing at that point. So I felt very much like an outsider. And I don't know that that was, that would have been my, I guess, junior year, third year, something like that of, of college. Um, I don't think I ever really felt like I fit in with the college life after that. As a matter of fact, I, I even remember you know, they had a couple of house parties after the fact. I don't, I don't think I, I may, may have gone to one, but again, I felt like an outsider. And it, it wasn't that I didn't have anything in common. I still had a lot in common with them, but it's almost like I grew up quickly and I had re, the, the real world reality stare me in the eye and they didn't. And, and I think part of me was kind of jealous because I still wanted that part of my life. But the other side is you can't change what's happened. Um, so it was, it was that transition anxiety and, and being around people whose lives never changed. You just feel like you don't fit in. And 
you know, people want to ask me different stories, and it's like, yeah, you know, sorry. You have a hard time explaining because they weren't there. Um, the things that excited me and the humor that I had at that point was almost dark. Um, not in, in like a deathly kind of way, but it's just not... It, Everybody kind of sees that, that picture in social media about, I'm the guy that your friends warn you about, you know, or say, hey, this guy's coming over, you know. It was, I almost felt a little bit like that because your sense of humor is just different. Your, your thought process is a little bit different. Um, well, you're deployed with how, how many people are you deployed so with? So there was, between headquarters and Lima Battery at that time, there was about... Gosh, Andy, I want to say there's probably close to 300 of us. So there's 300 of you. That, I mean, you probably know most of them. Oh, yeah. At yeah. that point. I mean, it's, that's, that's not a very large group, right? No, no. So you guys go. Yeah, I mean, you have a lot of commonality. I mean, no matter how different you were before you got there, now you're hinged around one thing. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's a life or death thing. And it's funny. We reconnected more often and more closely through social media and friends of friends and that sort yeah. of thing than I have with people that I went through Hell Week with in, in college. Well, I, remember, I remember being at Sanford, yeah. and it, no disrespect to Sanford, it was, it's a great place, but it's like every other college where, you know, people are worried about 18-year-old uh, things. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, yeah. oh, I need new shoes. Oh, I, 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 need, I need to drop this class. Uh, I keep my GPA. Uh, oh, are we going out Friday? You know. Right. Oh, hey, there's a new movie. What you know? What like you know? It's just just you you kind of get in when you want to get in. I'm worried about you know we've got another hour drive and we've got to be on base in 55 minutes. How are we going to get there? Right. Because those repercussions are serious. You know, coming in after hours not so serious. You know? Right. So it, it's it's a it's a mindset that that it's hard to understand. As with anything, um, it's hard to understand if you've not been in that position or that role. So how do you get through that disconnect when you get back? Where does that pick up? You know, I I don't think I I ever really did, Andy. Um, I think what helped me was there was a few people I did go to, was deployed within my unit um, and some others that that were deployed in in other branches um, that I I found myself close to. What What I really think happened more than anything is my circle of friends got smaller. I still had all the friends I had, right? But the ones I trusted, the ones that I felt like I could share deep, dark secrets what's with. What's really going on. What's yeah. really going on, what's bothering me, things like that. I think my circle dropped down to just a handful. Um, and it's people that, none of which had experienced anything in the military, but it's people that had experienced other life traumas that maybe they weren't comfortable with everybody knowing their their secrets as well. Or... What's internal to them? I hate to say secret because that sounds bad. Yeah, but, secret, but secret sounds like you're hiding something. Yeah, yeah. It's but just, it, but it might be the difference between being, uh, you know, transparent. Just means hey, that's a better word. What you yeah. see is what you get. Yeah. But but you still might be private. Like you might yeah. not disclose everything to everybody, exactly. even though you're still completely you, right. always you. Right. You know. And so I, I found that that you know I ended up with three, four, maybe five really close friends that we could share those and be tra- more more openly transparent yeah. about what was making us tick, why we were a little bit secluded today or why we were acting like an idiot. When you know, it, Whatever it may be, I, I think my circle narrowed more and more, um, both with, with men and with women. I had some friends that were women that, that you know, I, I was very trusting of and I knew I could open up and, and share with and it would stay between us and, and same with, you know, fraternity brothers, um, that, that, you know, I could open up. And it was really at that point that 
I would say, you know, one or two friends that were, were girls and one or two friends that were guys really learned about what bugged me most about my dad and his loss and some of the, the you know, things that I had kept internal um, about my family experiences and, and some of the, the challenges that I had over the years with that um, and, and kind of what made me be the way I was at certain times, um, whether it was standoffish or, you know, put up the rough, tough Marine front that just, my only goal was to create a barrier. I didn't want somebody to get that close. Um, and I carried that with me. Um, and then as, as I got out of college and I, you know, I moved on and, and started a career, got married, um, you know, had children, it, some of the inner, inner, and I will call them this, some of the inner demons wouldn't surface, but they just remind me that they're there. And I never, I didn't want to address it because I knew addressing it would make me expose vulnerability, or at least in my mind, what I thought was vulnerability. Well, it is, it is vulnerability. It is. But and vulnerability is not necessarily that. weakness. We equate it with weakness. But at but, the time, that was my thought process. Yeah. I'm asking for help. I can't do it by myself. And I'm going to show a side of weakness someone's going to be able to exploit. Is that military culture, you think, to where it's you don't show weakness? Because I think it's very much I mean, in in battle, like you can't just stop and tell the other side, hey, hold hold on a second. Like, I'm not. Well, I I think it's a little societal, too. I mean, a lot of people look at it, and I'll speak specifically for men. Yeah. um, You know, you're supposed to be the rock of the family. You're supposed to be the the one that takes it all and then you deal with it, right? Yeah. and, you know, even as a, a, a young man, I remember when my grandfather passed away, um, it was very difficult. I mean, he was a wonderful man. Everybody loved him. Everybody knew him. Um, even my friends called him Gotti. It's what I called him growing up. And uh, even friends of mine from college, that they would open their home at, at holidays when, when kids couldn't go home to see family. So he's literally adopted He was an adopted grandfather for them. Yeah. Every, oddly enough, he was a, a president at Howard College, which was formerly was Stanford. Yeah. Um, he Back was a Pike, uh, president, too. So he actually pinned me uh, when, I, when I became a brother. I bet uh, he's a legend. <laughs> but, the, but the Pikes kind of adopted him back into the fold, um, you know, many years after he left. So... He built a family within my friends yeah, and, and vice versa. And, and I mean, I had friends that would go by and say hello if they were close by just to stop in and, and probably get some of my grandmother's food because she was a phenomenal cook. But, uh, but when my grandfather passed, I remember, you know, a lot of the responsibility to make decisions fell back on me too. And as a grandchild, you shouldn't yeah, have to make decisions. Father, yeah, your father's not there. So you're... And, and, that, and I don't blame anybody for that. I don't, I don't want people to take that the wrong way. No, it's just the um, story. It was just, it's just, it's, yeah, it's it the was, hand that was it dealt. It was so difficult for my family when he passed because he was such a big part of all our lives. Well, and he's filling and, in gaps. That, absolutely. And for know. me, he was my gap filler. You know, I would uh, I get in trouble with my mom and stepdad and uh, I'd call him at work. He'd come pick me up on Friday and I'd go stay with him all weekend. We did absolutely nothing. We piddled all weekend. But that's what he loved doing. We'd go get a hot dog, which he wasn't supposed to eat because of his heart. But that was our little secret. Right. Um, we'd go to the hardware store. I don't think we ever bought anything, but we'd spend hours going through the hardware store, which is probably why I love Home Depot and Lowe's now. But, um, but it's little things like that. But that time, I think, really was for me the hardest, but probably the most important for me life-changing because 
I lost my advocate. I lost my hero. I lost kind of a dad, father figure, a best friend. You know, everything you could you could put in into a, into a label. I lost, and it it kind of hit home at that point. It's like, wow, you're on your own now. Well, I'm really not, but in my mind, I was right. Um, and just having to deal with so much, and now it's like, you know, now I'm having to help with the decisions of what's best for my grandfather. My, my grandmother had a couple of strokes. Um, she was early, early phases of, uh, of dementia. Um, so her wits were not 100% there to make all the decisions. Um, and I had to grow up, you know, once again, I had to grow up fast. Um, and that was a struggle. I think that's really where everything kind of boiled to a head for me. I started to become angry um, all the time. I lashed out at my wife for no reason. Um, and, and most of it was because I think personally I was scared to ask for help. Do you think, uh, and I'm, I'm asking, do you think that it's, all right, so I, I got some counseling for uh, an adopted son once, and the therapist said, she, she kind of draws out with her hands this big balloon, like a, like a party balloon, like you blow up, you know, with your mouth when you yeah. go latex balloon. And she says, you know, your soul it, internally and your emotions kind of like this balloon and she's just blowing it and blowing it you know and she says you put more stress in it the wind it keeps expanding and at some point and she gives us a couple different ways you know you can squeeze it and shriek and just let all this make that loud fingernails on the chalkboard sound which is what a lot of people do they just whine you know yeah. victim mentality um, which I don't hear from you like I hear you just say hey this was just the hard stuff that I endured you know, not the whiny, screechy. <clears throat> Sometimes people just keep putting pressure in that balloon, and then eventually, like, it just it, it releases out of your hand and just blows off and hides off somewhere. It's just yeah. gone. Makes some noise, but not not screechy, just hides, disappears. Um, the healthy option, of course, is just to slowly let some pressure out of it, you know, get some help. Um, but she says you eventually keep putting pressure in it. It just, it explodes. Yeah. And you see a lot of people do those three unhealthy options. My question is, do you think the way your story unfolded, life was just continually more pressure in the balloon? So your dad dies and you're dealing with that when you're a kid. You know, military transition from, oh, I'm a college student. Oh, well, no, now I'm really making adult decisions. Like, really, life and death decisions. Yeah. More pressure. Come back, more pressure. Grandfather dies more pressure does that make sense oh absolutely and so it's and just I, this I gradual so. it's, yeah. it's the same you know and the emotional load over time i mean we think of these things as just one-off events but it's it, uh, it no, could it's be a over time it's, it's a, a yeah it's a culmination of over time no one thing would break you but over time yeah no i, I would agree 100 percent. and you know I, th I think the harder part and i'll speak as a veteran at this point is asking for that help um, because you do, you know, I think even when we leave the military, we take the adapt and overcome mentality with us. Um, yeah, today stinks. It's not, it's a hard day. It's, yeah, it's just work. I'll get through it. And, and you just go to live another day where well, you just put a little more air in that, in that balloon. Right. Right. Um, tomorrow you deal with another problem. Your child's sick. You got to miss a sale. Cause you got Whatever normal life stuff in addition to oh, the weight of everything I, that you, you already the, carry. The stresses and struggles, the, the joys and laughter that come along with, with being a, a husband and a father and, yeah, you and still got traffic and, and finances and, and absolutely, bills and absolutely. people getting sick. Yeah. And, um, you know, eventually all that, 
came to a head. Um, and I had a couple of close people tell me, you need professional help. Was this like an intervention? And not as much. Just one-offs. Just one-offs. <clears throat> you know, my wife would, would... And my wife knows I'm not big on counselors. I, I'm not knocking the profession. I just never wanted somebody to get inside my head. And I think it was more fear of what would come out. Um, or they would see something I didn't see. And I'm like, great, I'm crazy. <laughs> you know? right. I think that was, a, that was a lot of it. Um, but, you know, she would drop polite, subtle hints. Coworkers would, would say, man, things set you off a little easily. You, you should find an outlet to, to help with that. Um, like, I'm fine. I duck hunt. Well, that's two months out of the year. What do you do for 10 more months? I'm fine. I'll, I'll deal with it. You can't um, duck hunt every yeah, day. Yeah, can't duck hunt every day. Not anyway. legally. Uh, exactly. Um, you know, um, it, close friends would, you know, would make some comments. And, man, it's kind of snapped at your wife sort of hard for that. Well, she shouldn't have said, well, you know what? She has the right to say what she wants to say. Um, you know, I, I think it was just people... Pushing. And, and I, I did end up going to a counselor for a little while. Um, there was some things that I admit he did help with. Um, I but admit. I, but <laughs> I admit. I'm shaking my head, you know, in a, in a, in a I succumb to it fashion. But um, no, there were some things he did. I will say I don't think I had the right therapist. I think had I had the right therapist, I would have gone a little longer. Yeah. Um, but I'm appreciative of some of the tools that he gave me. To, to work with and, and I still to this day that's been 10 or 11 years ago um, maybe even longer gosh um, I still to this day you know use some of those tools um, that he gave me but um, I think part of our conversation too is um, you know one of the things that that I was very appreciative of while I was in California during Desert Storm was just the amount of outpouring and support and appreciation. You know, when you tell somebody, oh, I didn't go overseas, but you served. Right. You know, it, it, it didn't make you feel like you weren't as good as. Well, was there kind of not an embarrassment, but a, um, yeah, like a second rate military type? Like, I don't want to put that and speak that because my perspective is, man, I'm grateful we put it on well, ourselves, well, that's and, what and we put it on one another. And then you feel that, yeah. Yeah, you do. Like, you that do. Feeling but, where and, you're like... and most of the people that I know that care about their service are huge, huge uh, proponents of. I never want to be looped into stolen valor. I don't want to be someone, or or even have people assume I am like this because I'm not. Um, you know, many of us are very proud of our service whether we did or didn't deploy. Um, it took me a while to get that way. Um, I think part of that's because my dad did serve and was killed. I had friends that um, have some medical issues because of uh, certain areas that they were in yeah. during Desert Storm. I have friends now um, who are, are still in and, and their children are actually in as well um, in our current conflict. And um, you know, it takes time to get, to get through some of that. But the one thing I always it, it just really drove home with me was how appreciative complete strangers were. You know, have your meal paid for. It may not seem like a lot, but when you're a college kid and, you know, you're not making a lot of money as an enlisted guy and you go out to eat with your, your buddies on a Friday night after you've been working in the field all week and a complete stranger buys your dinner just because you served, it, it you, you kind of get that proud peacock moment 
Right. And, you know, to come home and have Alabama State Highway Patrol block the interstate so you can get a direct route um, in a ticker tape, almost a ticker tape type parade into, into Bessemer, um, which isn't a big city for those that aren't around here, but um, it meant a lot, you know, to, to have that. And, you know, even through all the internal struggles I was going through, I, in the back of my mind, I thought, gosh, if there's ever any way I can pay it forward, at some point in my life, I want to do that. Um, and so about um, five years ago, uh, be six years this year, um, my wife and I started an organization called Lone Warriors. And at the time, the whole focus was just doing the little things for veterans in need around the home. It could be building an ADA compliant ramp, clean out the gutters, simple yard work. So stuff that, and I'm not knocking churches by any means, um, but it's, it's stuff that some of the serve teams and community leadership teams do a couple of times a year. We wanted to try to do as often as we could. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a good word because like a lot of times you see that some of the big things churches do, they're great, but they all happen around holidays yeah. or one weekend during the summer. Right. For the most part. So, there are so what happens throughout the, the rest of the year? Yeah. Um, and again, that's wonderful that they do that for the community, but but people hurt year-round. People need year-round. Yeah. Um, and so we started doing that. We, we took a team of, of I kind of threatened people a little bit that I needed some help. But, you know, took a team of volunteers and we'd go out and we'd do yard work at somebody's house. Or, you know, we would go and, and kind of redesign the, the storage in their closet to make certain things more accessible. Um, or rearrange their, their cabinets in their garage um, to let tools or, or certain, certain items that they used often be within reach. Um, and as we do that, you know, I, obviously we're in, a, we're in a different conflict now, and we started seeing more and more going on that we needed to do more. Um, this was great. This was helping veterans, but we were missing something. And I took one of the little, you know, high school or college rule composition, little black and white notebooks, and I literally just started throwing up ideas. I uh, just didn't matter how crazy, how far-fetched, or how real it could be. I just started writing that stuff down. Got on the internet and I started searching. What I didn't want to do was do what somebody else was doing. We wanted to come in with a unique, unique spin. Um, and I actually ran across Project Healing Waters, which I really love their format. Um, not a big fly fisherman. It really didn't have a lot of interest in me personally. Um, but I started reading about what they did and, and how they worked with veterans who were struggling um, with some of the invisible scars, even some that have physical disabilities that were compounding uh, some of the, the invisible scars as well. Um, and, you know, I, I started talking to friends of mine and they're like, man, you're, you're missing the, the boat. You've been doing photography your whole life. You love pictures. You love taking them. You love looking at them. You got to do something with photography. So I sat down for a few weeks and finally came up with the idea of uh, what we've rolled out now as a mission program called uh, called Operation Therapic. And the whole idea is using photography as a form of therapy. We're not here to replace the needed counseling. And it, it, as much as people laugh when I say that, as, as anti as I am about counseling, we don't want people to think this is a replacement for. But I remember when I was in counseling and we got to a point and the therapist really had me opening up on some things that, that were kind of my inner demons, the, the, the darker reasons of why I was bottling everything up. And I, I think honestly, with your analogy, it was that last little squeak of air 
um, screaming, yeah, I'm not going to tell you this. Yeah. Um, but I did. And, um, you know, I remember, I remember one in particular, I was mad. I mean, I left, I was so angry. I left in tears that day, not because I was sad, but I was just so, everything was coming out and it was positive, but everything was coming out and I was just, I was angry. And the buzzer goes off and he said, well, Time's up. Time's up. We'll see you in 30 days. And I'm thinking... 30 days? Oh, yeah. Because that's all my insurance will pay for. And uh, and I'm thinking, what am I supposed to do for 30 days? Man, oh. you just... What am I supposed to do for 30 minutes? You just opened up what I've been sheltering, some of it from my wife even. Because I didn't want her to look at me any differently or carry yeah. that burden or wonder, gosh, is he okay? You know, I, I tried to avoid all that. And for that to happen like I got nothing to do now I mean you've you've ripped open the biggest scar in my life there's no band-aid there's no suture there's nothing so when we when we started this that was kind of my thought is is there needs to be something for for our men and women that can they can look at the world a little bit differently and to help take their mind off some of the struggles good bad or indifferent um, take their mind off the struggles kind of in between those sessions or, you know, maybe they see something a little bit more positive. So the next session is less about what's wrong and more about what's right and what's working and let's build on that. And so, uh, you know, early on we, we started out, we raised money and we would give cameras to veterans and some would, sh- would share their pictures, some we'd never hear from again. You know, you live and learn from from what you do and and last year I got very frustrated and and so I temporarily shut the program down um, a little bit of a shock factor one just to see what sort of response we would get if we did because I, I was having a hard time gauging am I even helping people yeah and we had such a huge outpouring uh, Justin Runyon who's, who's one of our board of directors members um, he called me he's like man we can't shut it down we're helping too many people we just don't we don't realize it yet um, so we revamped it. So we're doing more of an education. So back then we were doing a photo a day challenge. And my idea was give somebody a topic to go out, cell phone, nice camera, GoPro, didn't matter. So they can use a cell phone. Uh, you can use Cell phones anything. have phenomenal cameras. Oh, they're amazing. Yeah, they're amazing. Matter of fact, So you don't have to be month. a professional photographer. This is... No, no. So um, what we started when we reintroduced yeah, so like, January work? Like- so before it was a photo a day, go out, share a picture with us. Great. And we really, what I noticed, and in, in, in retrospect, you know, any good, any good business, any good organization is always going to evaluate where they're at. Um, you know, financially, uh, if you're VSO, how you're serving your community, whatever that may be, right? Yeah. And so we looked at it and said, you know, the idea is great, but Eric really sucked on delivery. And that hurt, but that was the fact. I wasn't, you know, it's one thing to give somebody something, but then we weren't trying to help them get better with it. We were just sort of doing ideas. So January 1 this year, what we did is we rolled back out, um, getting back to the basics. So for the month of January, we talked about the exposure triangle. I don't care if you've got a cell phone or a $20,000 professional Canon camera kit. The basics are the same. Exposure, aperture, ISO, shutter speed. All these things tie into photography, regardless of how your, 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 your source of where that image comes from. This month, we've had so many people talk about, well, I've always got my cell phone with me. 
Um, I'm a guy that in my truck right now. I've got, you have a camera. I, do, my, I call it my big rig. I've got the big rig with me. Um, I always have a camera with me, but it's my it's my passion. It's but you're what professional. I, I mean, like but that's, I'm professional yeah. on the side too. So um, you know, I, I'm stop in the middle of the road, take a picture of a barn. You know, it doesn't matter. Um, but we decided, you know what? A lot of people are really talking about. I've always got my cell phone with me. So for the month of February, we're going to talk about some techniques. Um, we have some equipment recommendations, not that you got to buy, but just things if, um, you know, what are some, some tripod adapters that maybe we've used from our personal experience that we like or don't like? What didn't we like about them? So it's almost become more of a blog and a forum to help people with certain things. We may be going down one path and somebody may go, hey, I was trying this. You know what? That's going to be next week's topic. We're going to call an audible and we're going to move from this to this. So it's really the whole idea is, is really engaging. And, and one of the taglines that I like to use is, um, you know, I like people sharing because when you share, we get to grow together. Um, and that has a lot of merit to it in, in more ways than one. If I'm always just saying, hey, look at this picture I took, but I never tell you how I took it or what I was thinking about when I took it, it doesn't really help you grow. But if I tell you, you know, well, here were my settings but one of the challenges was I really wanted to the picture to say this. And if I took it like this, it wouldn't do that. Well, that gives you the ability to go, hey, I'm going to try those two ways Eric was just talking about and see what that does. So we're looking at it more from an educational standpoint. Um, now, nobody likes a lot of school, right? So what we started doing is um, we pepper in some giveaways. So last month, um, we did a people's choice. So we asked veteran community to share with us we had several that did amazing pictures by the way um, and there you guys have these on instagram and on facebook right? absolutely yep, yep. i'll, so I'll put the links on both. in the show, yeah, yeah, please show do. so people can just click um, through and grab and it. you can even go to our website too we've got the icons for all the social media so you I'll can put click that on down also and do we'll get all that yeah yeah please um and um so we we let the people decide and uh we gave away a um course by an organization a company called udemy uh, it's online yeah. learning, and, and they do a lot of different stuff. But Justin and I had had done some vetting on a photography masterclass, and it starts at the basics and builds from there. It doesn't matter what your level of experience or expertise is or isn't. Um, and so we both tried it out. We loved it. Learned a ton from it. Um, even as for many years as I've done it, I, I still walked away going, "How did I not know that?" Um, so we gifted that away to uh, to the winning veteran last year or last month. Excuse me. So uh, Andrew Wait won that one this month. Um, we're going to base it on the number of pictures that someone shares. So whoever shares the most is going to get a Starbucks gift card. A way to get a Starbucks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a quick way to get that Starbucks. Um, so we do things like that. And, it, again, it's not just about the education. It's, it's the involvement and the engagement. Well, I imagine some of it's too. Like you said that there were, you know, circling back to the middle of your story, somewhere there, there were all these people that were around you that you could talk to. Now, well, not all these people, but there were, first of all, some other veterans that deployed with you men and women that you were able to talk with on mm -hmm. some level. So imagine if you talk about photography and some of that, it's a pretty easy leap yeah. to go to the other. So you're connecting up and it helps you find other people. Um, aside from the therapeutic stuff of just producing something. Right. You know, everybody veges out, watches Netflix. I love Netflix, but brain science shows that vegging out doesn't really put your brain to rest. No. Using your brain, ironically, rests your brain. Well, and think about when it. When it's you know, we, geared to something you like and I, you're doing. You and I all grew up in an era where there was a, a picture book or some sort of photography book on a coffee table. 
Oh yeah. Uh, uh, you know, what's the first shelves. thing you did? You, you always just sit down, you chat for a minute, you'd start flipping through, looking at the pictures, right? Um, and you know, and I remember as a kid, my grandmother was, uh, she was, a, uh, she did a lot of watercolor yeah. and birds and, and nature were her big thing. Was she taking pictures of? And man, we would be driving down the road. You know, remember, this is back in the film days, right? We'd be driving down the road and my grandmother would have a stop and we were taking pictures of flowers. I couldn't even tell you the names of, but she knew them yeah. or she would research them and then she would go paint it. Uh, we'd stop. I remember we had an older gentleman one time, my grandfather and I, we were going somewhere with my grandmother and she made us not only stop, turn around and go back. So we pull into this little dirt road and I walk out to go take a picture of a barn. I got this guy almost with a pitchfork coming after me because I'm trespassing. I'm like, whoa, just taking a picture. It's a little kid. Um, but she used to love to do that. But she would have, you know, her, her rough drafts of stuff that she would just sort of scratch out as an idea on the, on the table. Um, she had books of all sort of, uh, of wild birds and, and wildlife. Um, you know, and I remember flipping through those. And, and that was one thing is, as we started this, it's kind of the, you know, it's a little bit different for us now. We swipe right or we swipe left right. or swipe up or swipe down, you know, to look at a picture. Um, it's kind of the same thing. Who doesn't really like to stop and look at pictures? A lot of people are like, well, you know, not as much. Do you have an Instagram account? Because if you do, you like pictures. Right. It's a given, right? People like pictures of themselves. Right? But the cool thing is you could take a picture and you could take 10 people into a room all by themselves. And you're going to get 10 people that see 10 different things. And I remember early on when we started doing it, we had a young man, uh, Marine, uh, down in Criola, uh, just outside of Mobile. And uh, we got him involved in the program. And his was kind of neat. He lived on the bayou. Uh, he and his wife did. And, uh, but the problem was he had a traumatic brain injury and he had seizures. And the only time his friends ever felt comfortable around him was when his wife was there because they, she knew how to, to work with him through yeah. seizures. Kind of scared him, and I understand that. It, it's a little overwhelming for a 20-something-year-old to have to deal with that. Um, I had a relative who had epilepsy. Um, and so, you know, growing up, she would have an epileptic seizure. It, it, I hate to say it, it kind of just became the norm for us. We just sort of fell into yeah, what, what to do. Yeah, you knew what to do, yeah. Um, but he took lithium for his shakes and, and several other things. And, and I remember, you know, he showed us some, some really cool pictures he was taking, and it just kind of stopped. And I called one day and his wife answered the phone and I just said, hey, I'm just checking in, a little buddy check. I want to see how he's doing. And um, she said, well, you know, he's kind of down and, and she's going to be honest, he's, he's taking a nap. He, he had a rough night last night. He had a couple seizures. And she said, he's, he's really embarrassed to share the pictures because everybody's pictures are so good and, and his are kind of blurry. I said, when he wakes up, tell him to call me. And uh, so he did. We talked for a little while. And I said, hey, man, I'll be down in a couple of weeks. Love to, love to stop by the house and just say hello to you, too. And, you know, if you got time, let's go grab some lunch, whatever. And uh, I said, man, I'm, I'm kind of bummed, though. You haven't shared any pictures with me lately. I just I haven't felt it. I'm like, everything okay? You know, so I started playing that counselor role, right, digging in a little bit. And he, he finally said, he goes, I'm going to be honest, man. My pictures aren't good. Why? Well, they're blurry. All right, so that's an easy fix. I'm going to get you a tripod take the center out it's a monopod you can prop it up it'll keep you know keep the shake down we got that covered don't worry about that but let me ask you this when has life not been blurry it's all perception man you could take me to an art gallery and show me a, a van gogh worth millions of dollars probably wouldn't pay 20 bucks to put it in my house it doesn't mean it's not a beautiful piece of art it's just not what i see 
Art is art. It's what you see in it. And it's the story you want to tell about Scotty to the world. It's not what I see in it. It's your story. Present it. Man, he, I couldn't, he'd share 15, 20 pictures a day yeah. <laughs> after that. And it's, it's really, but it's, it, it, it reinvigorated me. Um, you know, and, and even as a professional photographer, you have your, your good days and your bad days. You take some pictures and you think, God, I should be doing better than that. But every time that I started to feel down, I would have one of our participants would, would throw a picture out there and I'm like, ah, ah, they're not going to one-up me. And so you create that, that you know, kind of camaraderie right. and that, that inner competition with one another to, to really step it up. And, and the program has, has been a big success. Um, you know, we're trying to grow up more and more. We're, we're always about reevaluating what's working, what's not working, what can we do better. So how do people get involved with that? Because as we sign off and wrap yeah. up, like what's the um, way to... So one of the, there's a couple quick ways. Um, if you go to Facebook, you can go to either Lone Warriors um, or you can go to Operation Therapic, obviously direct messages through there. Um, if you go to our website, www.lonewarriors.org, um, go to the contact page. They can fill some information out. It, it'll come to myself and Justin. Um, and we'll, we'll reach out to them um, and participate from there. Um, you know, we, as we tell everybody, it's it, as with anything, what you put in is what you get out. Uh, yeah. Participate as much as you like. We understand life's challenges get in the way. Um, I hardly understand that myself, um, having a couple of jobs. But, um, you know, we encourage people to share, communicate. Um, we do some meetups. Uh, Justin does some in Columbus. I do some in Birmingham. Um, but what we're doing is encouraging those that aren't in those areas. Do a buddy, uh, grab a battle buddy. Go get two or three veterans and go out somewhere your area and take pictures. We'll help create a challenge for you. And then let's just have a, a little internal battle and see you know, who gets the most likes or pictures or whatever um, from that. So um, the whole concept is just to, to participate as much as you want, as much as you like, but you know, helping someone find something that they may like that, that helps them through the, the tougher days. Because um, you never know where it's going to take you, right? And and you know, really for us, um, you know, like I said, I, I've got several friends in Project Healing Waters. It's a great organization. I, I love what those guys do. But I spend more time untangling. Fly. It's it's frustrating to me. Yeah, I couldn't. Fly I, fish. I, I can't fly fish. I hate it. But you know, if someone's into that, I'm gonna but push yeah, them that but way. yeah, push them that way. Yeah, I, for you sure. Know, I, I've now you're not a competition. It's all yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and so we just want to be a part of a really really big puzzle just a small piece that maybe that one piece that they're looking to complete their puzzle yeah. to, to help them through, through, through day to day and, and in turn, hopefully help their family. We encourage family members, share your pictures with us as well. Um, we want to make this, this big because the challenges that many of us felt as veterans and, and, and still feel to, to this day, our family members have some of their own struggles too. You know, right. They had to do some things that maybe they didn't really necessarily sign on to while we were gone. Um, they stand by us as caregivers. Um, they didn't necessarily sign on for the injuries, but they're going to stand by us through thick and thin. And so, you know, it's a it's a family event. You know, we we want to help the whole family heal yeah. because that's one less component that puts a stress in your day if your family's 100% behind you and, and helping you. Right. So we're just glad to be a part of it. Glad to, to be able to work with you guys and and kind of get our story out and and help share our experiences. Um, with Centers of Hope and, and what, you know, what I participated with. And, you know, you never know. It, it may be something that, that that one individual needs and, 
you just make that handhold across and, and help them find a, a place where they feel safe and they can open up a little bit and, and try to help get through whatever their challenges may be. Right. Well, man, I'm grateful for you and thankful for you, for your service. Thankful, too, that you know, you've taken this next level to give back, not just to you know, give back. I mean, you, goodness, you gave enough when you sign up to serve, but leading the way for other men and women who are coming back yeah. uh, and empowering them in unique ways just to open up, to take the next step, to unlock what's inside of them, to walk in the greatness that I believe was placed in them from before the time they were created. Uh, that That's an amazing uh, testament to you and to what's been happening with you. Uh, I'll put all the links to everything down in the show notes below and uh, we'll send people send people your way. Awesome. Thank you. Well, that's this week's talk. Thank you so much for joining us. For more information about what we're doing, what's going on, to find Eric, look into the show notes. I've put the information that you can use to just link on and go learn more about Operation Therapic there. You can learn more about the Lone Warriors Project there. And you can learn more about Warrior Hope and Crosswinds at warriorhope.com. Go there to take the free PTSD self-check. And then while you're there, stream the free documentaries. We'll talk again soon.